Do not be unbelieving, but believe. These are the words that are given to Thomas, but also to each and one of, every one of us this morning. And maybe a more appropriate way of expressing that, of understanding this uh, little saying from Jesus, is really, do not be faithless, but believing. You see, we too are doubting Thomas's call to believe, call to become faith-filled Thomases. But let's ask the question real quick. What is faith? I think in our times we simply reduce faith to our own ability to trust. Or maybe our own act of the will to say, I think this will happen. I trust this will happen. But faith is much, much more than just a simple act of trust. The church, our mother and our teacher, gives us a great little way to understand faith. And she tells us this. Faith is a theological virtue by which we believe in God and believe all that He has said and revealed to us and all that the Holy Church proposes for our belief because God is truth Himself. Now, let's break that down a little bit and see what that has to say. What does it mean to say that faith is a theological virtue? Father, why are you using all this big language in your homily? But theological virtue means something very important. That faith is first and primarily a grace given to us. Fundamentally, it's something that we receive. We can't create it. We can't produce it on our own. At its root, faith is a grace. It's a gift given to us. First, we are its recipients. And then, and only then, can we be its activators, putting it into practice. So first and foremost, faith is a gift. It's a grace. We can't conjure it up. We can't make it up. We can't do this and that and make it appear. It's first a gift. But the church continues, and she tells us, by faith, man freely commits his entire self to God. For this reason, the believer seeks to know and to do God's will. So, faith is not just a grace, but it also demands every aspect of our being. Not 25%, not 50% or 75%, not just this part of myself, but not this part. The person of faith who has faith commits his entire self to God. He doesn't just pick and choose what he commits. Let me ask you something. Have you ever maybe thought this to yourself? I want to go deeper in my faith, but I just can't seem to do it. Maybe it's like you're trying to run full speed in a life of faith and you just, boom, hit a brick wall every time. I often hear from many people who come to me seeking counsel. They say, Father, I want to pray more. I want to be a better person. I want to dive deeper into my faith. I want more and more and more, but it just seems I can't get there. It just seems that I can't do it. Let me give you an image to consider. Imagine you're at a river, right? We're familiar with rivers around here, and this, this river has a nice 
current, a nice stream going down it. You're in a kayak, a canoe, or for you Cajuns out there, a little piro, and you're paddling down the river. And you do this every day. You go to the river, put your kayak canoe in, begin to paddle. The day's over with, you take it out, you leave, and you come back every day. Now imagine you return one day and there's no more water. What's your first thought? Maybe, damn. Literally, a damn, right? We'll see who's still awake after that one. Maybe yeah, you come to this river, right? And you say something must be blocking the water upstream. Something is there putting a stop to the flow of water. You see, my brothers and sisters, a life of faith is kind of like a river, right? We have that grace that's poured into us. We have that grace that flows into our lives. And as long as that water is there, we can canoe and paddle all day long. But if there's no water, something must be causing it to stop flowing. You see, in the spiritual life, we can create a dam. We can block. We can stop the flow of grace into our lives. And we do that through very serious and mortal sins. And so we live in a life of faith, and through these sins, we stop the channel of grace right in its tracks. God doesn't stop it. Our husband or our wife doesn't stop it. Our kids do not stop it. That friend that gets on our nerves doesn't stop it. We do. And so we found ourselves wanting to dive deeper, but yet can't. We have to first look at maybe how we're stopping that flow of grace. We have to first stop and look at our lives and see if there's any serious sins that are stopping the flow of grace into our lives. I mean, we think, why is it so difficult? Maybe we get so frustrated why we can't grow in our faith. And we haven't stopped to look at what's stopping the flow. But maybe there's another reason we experience that brick wall in trying to dive deeper into our faith. And that is, we don't give everything to God. We're only partially committed and my brothers and sisters, to be a cafeteria Christian will always mean you're a frustrated Christian. To be a partially committed Christian brings with it always a frustration. Why? Because we can only serve one master. And thanks be to God, as we celebrate this great feast of divine mercy, we recognize that we have a merciful master who is the master of mercy. And so, on this Sunday particularly, we celebrate the great means by which God, Jesus Christ, has given us to allow that channel of grace to continue to flow in our lives if we have stopped it by our own actions. We heard it today with our very own ears. In the gospel just moments ago, he looks to his apostles and therefore also to their successors and to those they give their authority. And he says, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. 
whose sins you retain, they are retained. Jesus today, as we heard, gives that very power, that authority to unplug, you could say, that damned river, that blocked channel, and allows it to open up for us once again. Maybe some of you are familiar with the divine mercy image as I explained at the beginning of Mass. You have Jesus there and what's flowing from His heart are two streams indicating the blood and water that came from His pierced heart. And this blood and water ceaselessly flows to you and to me. We have to recognize though it's us who deny it. It's us who stop it. We can't get mad with God because His grace is not coming. It's us who stopped it. I'd like to, for us to recall real quick that beloved disciple. Traditionally, we know it to be John. And notice what happens in John's life. At the Last Supper, what did he do? He laid on Christ's heart. And then as we move forward, he's the only disciple at the crucifixion. He's the one that saw the blood and water come from Jesus' side. And my brothers and sisters, it's the very disciple who laid on Jesus' heart, who saw the blood and water come forth from His pierced heart, who was the first to believe in the resurrection. John was the first to believe that Christ had risen. Why? Because he had received the mercy from the heart of Christ. He allowed it to pour forth into his mind and heart and didn't stop it from flowing to him. As we continue in this Easter season, we're summoned by the resurrection to believe. As you notice in all the Gospels, right? Last Sunday, this Sunday, if you looked at all the Gospels throughout the week, it's all about whether you believed or didn't believe. It's all about people who came to faith or didn't come to faith. And so today we're asked, what's stopping that flow of grace in our lives, if there's anything? Or what's stopping that flow of grace because we're not fully committed to the risen Christ? So we're also beckoned to remove those serious sins. We're called to encounter that mercy right in the confessional right where we put into practice the very word that Jesus gives us today, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained. And so, we open up that flow of mercy that ceaselessly is coming to us that we plugged up with ourselves, with our own actions, so that we can heed the very words of Christ to Thomas, the very words that he speaks to you and to me. And he says, Do not be faithless, but believe it.